Welcome to A History of the Inca. Episode 29, The Death of Pachacuti. Hello everyone and welcome once again to A History of the Inca. I'm your host, Nick Mashinsky. I hope you're all doing well. I don't really have any announcements this episode other than that this is our final episode for the narrative this year. Next time we'll have our questions and answers episode and I already have plenty of announcements for that episode. So I'll spare you all this time with any announcements. Last episode we talked quite a bit about life in the provinces. However, we also had a bit of the narrative in there as well. Tupac Inca Yupanqui left Cusco on another campaign after celebrating his victories in the north and over the Chimor Empire. He headed southwest and conquered Nazca before heading north along the coast. Tupac brought several groups into the empire, both through peace, like the Chincha, and by force, like the Warco. We join the young conqueror as he enters the navel of the universe, right before despair hits. Enjoy. The sound of drums rings through the capital as a few thousand warriors marched in, their captains wearing the insignias of their rank. The captains were elaborately dressed with gold and silver armor. Pacayoks, the Inca elite, soon followed. Then he entered. Tupac Inca Yupanqui on a litter of gold, shaded by a canopy above him. Tupac circled the city with his Pacayoks and the army in front, and the throng of followers behind him. Tupac would have relished this moment. He had triumphed some years ago, after his victory over several northern groups and the Chimor. Now, after his conquest of the Nazca, Chincha, and Warco, the Inca Empire extended from south of Lake Titicaca to Quito. The Inca arrived at the Coricancha, where he performed some ceremonies in private, before seeing his father, Pachacuti. And it was then that Tupac realized that his triumph would be short-lived. We never know the true age of Pachacuti. But from what we can glean from the various accounts is that the Sapa Inca lived a very, very long life. And due to this, he had been able to plan for his death for quite some time. Like any king or emperor, Pachacuti wanted to have the very best to see him out of this mortal world. So he planned everything out and orchestrated every detail. And now, on his deathbed... Pachacuti divulged these details to those closest to him, including Tupac. He also included a prediction that after Tupac's heir, there would be yet another Pachacuti. But after he disclosed the details of his funeral rites and prophecy, he addressed Tupac Inca Yupanqui directly. Son, you now see how many great nations I leave to you, and you know what labor they have cost me. Mind you that you are the man to keep and augment them. No one must raise his two eyes against you and live, even if he be your own brother. I leave you these, our relations, that they may be your counselors. Care for them, and they shall serve you. When I am dead, take care of my body, 
and put it in my houses at Patayakta. Have my golden image in the house of the sun, and make my subjects in all the provinces offer up solemn sacrifice, after which keep the feast of Purukaya, that I may go to rest with my father the sun. And it was after this that Pachacuti, the ninth Sapa Inca, died. Tupac ordered guards to watch the body, which I imagine wasn't even cold when he went straight to the Coricancha. As I stated in episode 26, there were certain ceremonies and rituals that a new Sapa Inca had to go through before donning the fringe. The details of them are quite vague, but we do know that there was a good period of fasting that may have lasted a few days within the temples of the Coricancha. Afterwards, Tupac then entered the Huacapata, where he received homage from those in Cusco and was reaffirmed by the Pacayocs as their elected Sapa Inca. Maybe it was tradition for the heir to move this quickly to assume the fringe after the death of the Sapa Inca, but it also shows how tense a time it was after such an event. It wasn't like Tupac Inca was the only son of Pachacuti. There were scores of others. The death of Pachacuti was an opportunity for any of them that were old enough to attempt to stake a claim, to rise in rebellion. But according to the sources, Tupac's ascension to Sapa Inca went smoothly. But let's return to Pachacuti to learn a bit about the Inca's funeral rites. Before the body was prepared for mummification, hair and nails were cut from the body and made into a bundle. This bundle would act as a waka to represent the former Sapa Inca. Next, the body was wrapped and placed into a large vessel, likely to dry out as much as possible. As the body was drying out and undergoing the mummification process, Pachacuti's Gwerki, or brother, Inti Yalpa, was sent to the festivities. And I believed I mentioned this when I covered the Inca pantheon, but the Gwerki was a waka that the Sapa Inca used to represent and speak on his behalf, should he not be present. So the Gwerki was a stand-in for the Sapa Inca and could be sent to a province or ceremony and be an extension of the Sapa Inca's authority. And this is quite interesting when one thinks about it. And I often wonder when reading some of the Spanish chronicles that when a Sapa Inca is in one location and then, and then another, was it actually the Sapa Inca or the Gwerki? I think the Inca nobility would have reported the two as one and the same to whomever was translating or taking down their account, because to them, the two had the same authority. Returning to Pachacuti's funeral, Inti Iyalpa would witness the Purukaya, or the general mourning practices. First, feasts and dances would take place in the Wakapata the great plaza in Cusco, to help guide Pachacuti's spirit. While this was going on, or perhaps afterwards, the sources aren't quite clear on this, came the sacrifices. Offerings of food, drink, and clothes were poured and burned in the honor of the former Sapa Inca. Next, llamas were brought in. Sorry, let me correct that. Hundreds of llamas were brought in and sacrificed. 
their bodies burned afterwards. Finally came the human sacrifices, and according to the Chronicles, these were people who wanted to be sacrificed to follow the Sapa Inca. To accomplish this, copious amounts of chicha was consumed, and then the person would be strangled. And I'll note that this was a rite that Pachacuti himself had suggested. Sort of a, if people want to sacrifice themselves, then they should do this. It's unclear if these folks actually wanted to be sacrificed, or if they were sacrificed by the state as a way to honor Pachacuti. But we're not done yet. Word had been sent to the Caracas in the provinces about the passing of the Sapa Inca, and they were tasked with gathering another sacrifice, boys and girls. The ages of these children were between five and six years old, and according to Betanzos, thousands were brought into Cuzco. When it was time, these children were given a large amount of chicha, and when they were quite drunk, they were strangled in a capa cocha, or solemn sacrifice. Now, were there actually thousands of children sacrificed? I don't doubt that there were children brought in from the provinces to be killed in the funerary rites of the Sapa Inca. Just the numbers. To my knowledge, I'm not aware of any mass graves that have been unearthed in Cusco, or the Cusco area, containing the bones of children. But then again, there is a lot of ground in and around Cusco that has yet to be excavated. With the Purukaya over, there was a mourning period of one year. Once that year was up, it was up to the Panaka to complete the final funerary rite. They would carry the Gorky, the Waka of hair and nails, and maybe the mummified body of Pachacuti, and take them to various areas where Pachacuti lived and conquered. With these various Wakas, they would shout something along the lines of, this is where you did this great feat. This is where you wore this tunic. Here is your weapon that you subjugated this group. There is no clear explanation as to why the Panaka did this. Though after reading some of Susan Nile's book, The Shape of Inca History, I suspect that it is a way for the Panaka to preserve their history. The Panaka's power was tied to whatever that Sapa Inca had accomplished in their lifetime. They, as well as others, needed to keep the memory of that patron alive to maintain power and support. But it also tied them to that landscape as well. Their ancestor had a connection to that particular spot from his accomplishments, and the pilgrimages only strengthened that connection to that area. The Panaka might do these pilgrimages from time to time, but for the rest of the empire, after a year, the mourning period was over. When it comes to the greatest ruler of the Inca, Pachacuti is considered to be at the very top. Before him, the Inca had the Cusco Valley and a network of allies, albeit a strong network created by his father, Viracocha Inca. However, it would be Pachacuti's ambition that would take the foundation his father had laid and create an empire. As a young captain, Pachacuti stepped up when his father and brother, Inca Urco, the Sapa Inca, 
fled from the coming Chanka. Recognizing an opportunity when one presented itself, Pachacuti overthrew his brother and forced his father to recognize him, not Inca Urco, as the Sapa Inca. Thus, history today tends to ignore Inca Urco completely as the ninth Sapa Inca, instead skipping over him and giving that honor to Pachacuti. Once he was Sapa Inca, Pachacuti took the Inca and expanded the borders to areas outside of the Cuzco Valley, such as Ayacucho, Koyasuyu, and more of the Urumbamba Valley. This brought numerous groups into the service of the Inca, and thus their wealth grew. Pachacuti rebuilt the city of Cusco, according to some sources. Not everything we covered in episode 14 was built by him, and the story is definitely embellished quite a bit. However, he did order several buildings to be renovated or upgraded, including the Cori Concha. Finally, he instituted Inti as the primary deity over the creator god, Viracocha, within the Inca pantheon. Because the sun was a common deity with other Andean groups, this religion would be spread all over the Andes, along with the Quechua language. The tales passed down detailing the amazing exploits of Pachacuti are very much a part of his brilliant legacy that are discussed and debated today. The visitation by Inti, the divine intervention on the Inca's behalf against the Chanca, and Pachacuti's rebuilding of the entire city of Cusco are just a few examples. How much is fact, we may never truly know. But his version of history is the dominant version that was recorded by the Spanish and which we have today. Thus, the history of Pachacuti very much straddles the fine line of myth and reality when one discusses Inca history. Pachacuti will always be around in our story going forward, just in the background. His mummy and related huacas would visit his predecessors, come to festivals, receive offerings, and would be sought for advice by Tupac and his successor. Pachacuti will even be present in our final episode of the show, though that is still a ways away. Until that point, we will leave Pachacuti, for it is now time for Tupac Inca Yupanqui to rule as the sole Sapa Inca. We've already covered some of his amazing exploits, but with the death of Pachacuti, Tupac would soon have his hands full. As word spread of Pachacuti's death, restlessness grew in many parts of the empire. No doubt, they were all thinking the same thing. The great Sapa Inca is dead. Now is the time to make a move. But as I said at the beginning of the episode, that will all have to wait. Because in our next episode, I'll have announcements to make and your questions to answer. 